presented by Amazon. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghu Manavalan. It's Friday. Politico's Steve Shepard stops by for his latest ratings update. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. During a virtual Get Out the Vote event on Thursday night, Oprah Winfrey endorsed Democrat John Fetterman in the ultra-tight Pennsylvania Senate race. More than just another celebrity endorsement, it's a pointed snub by Winfrey of Mehmet Oz, the celebrity doctor she single-handedly brought to national prominence. This is what she said, If I lived in Pennsylvania, I would have already cast my vote for John Fetterman, for many reasons. The endorsement was in the works for months, Politico's Holly Otterbein reported late last night. She writes, Fetterman's orbit knew how powerful a nod from Winfrey would be, and it worked behind the scenes to quarter. The Fetterman campaign made a direct appeal to her for a meeting, according to a person familiar with the outreach. Fetterman embraced the Oprah seal of approval in a statement. She's a leader on so many issues, fighting for our democracy, passing common sense gun reform, and ensuring racial justice. An now spokesperson said the Republican loves Oprah and respects the fact that they have different different politics. Politico's senior campaigns and elections editor, Steve Shepard, is out with his latest rating forecast. In it, there are rating changes in three Senate, 13 House, and four governor races. All but one are moving toward Republicans, and he's here to talk about it. Steve, how's it going? Nearing the finish line. How are you holding up? <laughs> I am feeling like the finish line can't come soon enough, but we have uh, one more weekend to go. And then, you know, we're going to get answers to a lot of our questions, maybe not on next Tuesday night, but mm. soon after. And that is that is the great thing about covering elections is that uh, as opposed to, you know, some of my colleagues who cover Congress and, and other areas of politics, uh, we get a final outcome. We get to know who was right mm. and who was wrong. And uh, I can't wait. Let's talk about the big races you're moving. Uh, first up, New Hampshire Senate. What's going on there? Yeah, Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan. Uh, we've had her race in lean Democratic for the entire uh, cycle since we, since we launched this earlier this year. And, and things seem to be breaking right for Maggie Hassan over the summer between the broader improvement for Democrats in the national political environment and the fact that Republicans in a late primary in September nominated the more extreme candidate, Don Bolduc, who uh, Democrats were hoping that they would face and Republicans were dreading would get the nomination, he won the primary. So it looked like everything was breaking right for Maggie Hassan. But in the closing weeks of the race, Bolduc's campaign has been propped up, even as uh, some mainstream Republican groups like the NRSC pulled some money from from uh, New Hampshire, though they're still doing coordinated ads with Bolduc and Senate Leadership Fund, the Mitch McConnell link super PAC pulled out of New Hampshire. Bolduc has been propped up by some ideological super PACs, you know, some some groups mm. farther on the right side of the spectrum that have some money and they've thrown it onto the airwaves in New Hampshire. We've seen the polls narrow there. And then the other thing that's happened is the national political environment has gotten better for Republicans as the election has drawn closer and voters have honed in on their choices. And now that that bigger lead for Maggie Hassan has eroded. Uh, she is still slightly ahead, but we're no longer able to describe her as a significant favorite. A potential Bolduc victory is, I would say, within reach. Uh, and so we're moving that to our toss-up category, which 
denotes that the race is highly competitive, even if there, even if Hassan, I would say, has a slight edge, uh, it, it is close enough to move into our toss-up category, and it's firmly up for grabs. Uh, there was one other race that I feel like uh, jumped out immediately. Uh, New York governor, what are you seeing there? So this has obviously been a, a contest that's drawn a lot of attention over the last few weeks. There have been some polls, mostly from more Republican groups, that have showed uh, Lee Zeldin, the Republican congressman, uh, congressman from Eastern Long Island, drawing close, if not tying, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, who ascended to the governorship following the resignation of Andrew Cuomo last year. Uh, we're not quite going that far as, as far as we are in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. but we are moving the race from likely Democratic to lean Democratic. This is a, this is race is probably going to be within single digits, which is not something I would have said uh, I would have thought two months ago uh, when it seemed like Kathy Hochul had this race well in hand. That's not the case anymore. This is a real fight. Both the Democratic Governors Association and the Republican Governors Association are sending money to New York for uh, kind of last-minute television ads. Zeldin seems mm. to have the momentum. We're still describing Hochul as the favorite here, and um, that's why it's in lean Democratic. Uh, but this could be a close race. And given New York's vote count, especially downstate in New York City, where Hochul's going to get a lot of her votes from, we could be waiting past Election Day to find out who wins here, uh, which is, again, not something typically we're used to New York being called as soon as the polls close based on exit poll results at mm-hmm. 9 p.m. Eastern time. That's not going to happen this time, I'm willing to bet. And uh, it could actually be a, an extended, prolonged, protracted period of time before we know for sure who won. Um, you also have 12 House races with some shift towards the GOP as well. This one jumped out, though. The Ohio first went the other way. Uh, what's going on in Ohio? Yeah, this is a situation where redistricting uh, might be the the potential undoing of Steve Shabbat, who's been a survivor in Congress. He's already lost once and come back in the uh, two decades ago in one of those two, you know, in those back-to-back Democratic waves. Uh, he managed to come back to Congress despite getting wiped out when, when Republicans were wiped out in the closing years of the Bush era. Uh, he's come back once, but this time his district in Cincinnati sort of unified Cincinnati, which means it, it now leans towards Democrats. Uh, I think Joe Biden would have won it by nine points. Mm. Uh, it's, ju- it's just a race that that's going to be a little bit, according to my sources, probably a little bit too difficult. And Democrat Greg Landsman is is the favorite going into Election Day, though Shabbat, again, has been a survivor. Uh, I think he could really use some strength at the top of the ticket there. We've seen Governor Mike DeWine pull hmm. away from his Democratic opponent, Nan Whaley. And while we see J.D. Vance ahead in that Senate race, it is close And uh, with Tim Ryan, the Democratic candidate. And I think a bigger Vance victory would might be enough for, for Shabbat to, over, to, to help overcome Landsman. Hmm. But right now we don't see that. And so we're, we're tilting that towards Landsman. But you mentioned 12 House races are going in the other direction toward Republicans. And that tells you a lot yeah. about who has the momentum going into this election, uh, and, you know, which is basically, I think, come back to where we thought it might be six months ago or so, a midterm election with a president who's who's not very popular. Right. It seems like there's been a bit of a, I guess, let's call it reversion to the mean of what you'd expect with a unpopular incumbent. Yeah. And, and as voters have kind of honed in on their choices, I think that's what we're seeing both in some of the national polling and in some of these uh, state and, and especially in the district level polling that, that I've seen. Uh, that, you know, voters are, we know voters are even more so than any of the more recent midterm elections, broadly dissatisfied with the direction of the country. Uh, President Biden's Mm -hmm. approval ratings are slipping a little bit. Um, 
settling sort of in the low 40s, which is obviously a dangerous place for the incumbent's party. You're seeing him deployed very selectively on the campaign trail. Uh, he was in places like New Mexico and, and out west in, in blue states on Thursday, uh, you know, just just not really traveling to some to a lot of these swing state uh, Senate and governor's races, although he will be in, interestingly, in Pennsylvania this weekend, uh, which uh, draws even more attention to races that I know we've been talking about so much over the past couple of months. So this is this has become looking like a little bit like a typical midterm election. The, the only caveat I have is that uh, all indications are voters from both parties are going to turn out in large numbers. And, you know, I think mm. for Democrats, their best hope is that uh, they get a surge of turnout on their side that helps limit losses in the House and potentially fight to a draw in some of these Senate races where they might hold on, you know, have a chance to to keep the cha- right. keep control of the chamber by either tying Republicans or, or having a one seat majority. Uh, Republicans, on the other hand, have a path to now a bigger majority if they were to sweep our toss up races with adding New Hampshire to that list. That would give them a 54, 46 majority. So a, a larger majority um, that that in the range of plausible outcomes, we don't really see the same thing on the Democratic side. One thing you also track judiciously here at Politico are the ads coming through from campaigns. Uh, We're in the closing argument stage of the race. The big trends I've seen so far from the GOP, inflation and crime. Dems have a bit of a spread when it comes to their messaging. There's abortion rights. Projecting far-right extremism has popped up in ads. Uh, Raphael Warnock had a recent ad that you should vote for him to avoid a runoff so you don't have to see more campaign ads during Thanksgiving in Georgia, which I kind of find hilarious. Uh, Things I haven't seen mentioned in ad campaigns or arguments by Dem candidates so far, I suppose, are those, you know, signature Biden acts so far, the Inflation Reduction Act, student debt relief. Um, is there anything else notable that you've seen missing in ads that you kind of thought coming in you would see more of? I mean, you're absolutely right that Democrats are not really campaigning on what they've done. I think when the Inflation Reduction Act, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, passed this summer, there was a lot of Democratic optimism that they would this would be the counter that they could provide to Republican mm-hmm. attacks, that price increases under a Democratic Congress and a Democratic White House that Democratic candidates needed to be punished for that and Republicans needed to be elected, that this would be the counter. No, I voted for this bill, which we, and we've seen some mention of lowering prescription drug prices, uh, but it's not attributed to that piece of legislation. So to the extent Hmm. that we thought that this would be a signature campaign issue, it has all but fizzled out. I think you're absolutely right about Republican advertising uh, in these closing arguments. And, and I watch all the ads every day and, and send playbook uh, the ones that I think are, are the most important. And, and we've seen a lot of Republican candidates basically use inflation and crime, rising prices and in a lot of places rising crime rates, or at least a greater concern about crime among voters as, as they're uh, surveyed in, in polls. Use those to make the basic argument that uh, you're not better off than you were two years ago. And the you can't change presidents uh, for another two years, but you can change your senator, representative in Congress, or governor in 36 of the 50 states, governor. Uh, so vote for me, the Republican candidate. And, and we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of, even if that Republican candidate's not necessarily going to be able to do a lot about some of the issues that we're talking about, uh, you're seeing that be the basic distillation of Republicans' closing argument at this stage of the campaign. Politico's Steve Shepard, one more weekend to go. I hope you get dressed up after that. Thanks for coming on. I hope so, too. Thank you for having me. 
Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 2.45 p.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will deliver remarks on chip manufacturing in San Diego. At 4.15, Biden will depart California to head to Chicago. At 8.30, Biden will participate in a political reception. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 5.15, Vice President Kamala Harris will participate in virtual political events for Georgia Senate candidate Raphael Warnock and others. All right. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Playbook's editor is Mike DeBonis. Zach Stanton is Playbook's deputy editor. Jenny Ament is the executive producer and head of audio here at Politico. I'm Raghun Manavalan. Have a good weekend. We'll see you first thing Monday morning. All employees should have the opportunity and tools to grow their careers, regardless of where they start. That's why Amazon offers 10 different programs designed to help employees advance their careers and move into higher paying roles within Amazon. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.